Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see everyone here this morning, and if you're visiting with us today, welcome to New Hope. We are so thankful that you're here. There's a tablet right out front if you would fill in your information for us, and then we can contact you and tell you what all's going on here. Um, we have an exciting day today. It is the Earl Town Parade. I love the Town Parade. I've been here my whole life. I was born in Earl, and I've it used to go all the way to our house, so my memories of the parade are sitting at my driveway and watching it. But thankfully, it's probably shorter now. And so please come out today and enjoy that and the time after. I would like to remind you about the angel tree. This is so wonderful. I went over it last week. You choose an angel, and you get what's on that, and then you bring the gift, whatever was assigned to you from that child that's local, back next week. So the, the presents and the gifts are due next Sunday. Um, so if you will please take your time after worship and go right back there to get an angel off the angel tree. Um, I hope that they're swarmed with people. I don't think that there were many taken last week. So we have six families and I think 14 children that are going to come to New Hope for a party and for a big day of celebrating and also things for their families, meals for their families will be given. So please, after the service, take your time to go back there and choose an angel and bring that next week. Um, that means a lot to the community and our church family. Um, a reminder about the live nativity, the Christmas in Earl, we called it, it will be next Sunday. It's going to be a drive-through live nativity. So please come out and if you're helping, wonderful, and just come um, drive through that next Sunday night. I have a, a kid announcement. I don't know if many of you know this, but our wonderful youth group created a program called Kid Pals. And that means that they each are assigned a kid in our church, and they are their mentor. They spend time with them. They spend a little extra time playing with them. They might get them gifts. Um, it's a wonderful thing that our youth created, and they are having a party this week for the kids. So if you are in here and you have a kid that comes ever, even just maybe Sunday mornings, your kids are in that program. So please, or grandkids, please bring your kids Wednesday night to the gym at 6.30. If you don't normally come on Wednesday, that is okay. So please bring your kids to the gym on Wednesday night at 6.30. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you have a kid or grandkid, bring your kid. It's going to be a party that they're throwing and they're doing all of it. So they would love to see them. This week is love for Advent. And as I'm speaking, if you would go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 John 4. 7 through 19. So in Youth Deeper and in Kids, we've been discussing the sovereignty of God lately and all aspects of creation. And the underlying thing that is the most obvious about it all, from the creation to the angels to all of the earth, the animals and everything he made, the most, the most beautiful example of love is that to me the creation of all the things in preparation for man, and then man, and then how he made Eve. And when I saw the word love this week I was, as I was praying over Advent, I just kept thinking about that. I love you is said so often, and it's said for different reasons. And in our family, we often sign I love you as our way of saying it because we want to say it even more than sometimes we're able to say for an example, my son Henry went to get dental work done this week, and his dad took him. And during the procedure, he said Henry kept signing as he laid on the table with his mouth covered, I love you, the whole procedure. And at the end, the nurse said, well, Dad, I know that he loves you. <laughs> so 
after that, I thought, is that how God feels that we think? Do we know how much God loves us? So in Henry, in our kids and your close family, you might feel it, and you might not. But you might feel it all the time in words and what they show. But how does, does God see that we feel that love from him? Do we feel that love from him? Do we look around? It's not just in, in nature, which is my favorite way to see it sometimes, but in the relationships he's given you. He made Eve for Adam because he loved Adam, and he wanted a companion for him. He created relationships, friendships, relationships, because he loves us. He didn't have to do that, but he knew that Adam would want that and need that. We all do. Love floods through the Bible at every page. And my challenge for you during Advent this week is as you read the Bible, I want you to see in whatever you're reading God's love. It can be in the New Testament as we read about his birth and his ministries, Jesus' ministry, or it could be as you're reading in Leviticus about the Israelites' rules and what they have to do. There is love in every page of this book because that's what God is. He wants the best for us. He listens to us. He loves us. And as believers, there's a bond that comes with that. There's a bond and a connection between all of us who are followers of Christ because we were all baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that creates a love, a, a special love that you can't even explain. It's eternal. So as we continue today with Advent and in the service, remember that God loves you so much. Right now, whatever you're going through, whatever life is giving you, he loves you. Whatever you're doing, whether you feel like it's right or wrong, God loves you and he's right there. And I love you and we at New Hope love you. So as Miss Maxine and Miss Kay come down to light our candle of love this week, I'm going to read to you 1 John 4, 7 through 19 as they light our candles. Dear friends, let us love one another because, God, because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this Love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. And we love because he first loved us.
Let us pray. Oh, dear Heavenly, Heavenly Father, creator of love, giver of love, we thank you so much that you are always there, filling us with love in every moment of our lives. I pray that each person here, member, visitor, I pray that everyone here feels that love as they are in this sanctuary, that as they are worshiping in song and prayer and in teaching, that they feel your love and that they long to feel more. It's the, the best thing to be addicted to, Lord, is you, your teaching, your scriptures, your love, your forgiveness, your grace. And I pray that over us, that your spirit fill us with that today and throughout the week, that we embody love as Christ has taught us, as you have taught us, and that as we go into our work and school and life, that we show more love than the people around us has, have ever seen. And that we can point that love straight to you because that is you. Oh, how we love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Amen. When you bring your offerings of tithes and time and worship to Jesus, what is that first thought that comes to your mind as the name of Jesus? How would you describe his makeup? How would you describe his, his character or his emotional makeup? What's your image of Jesus as a man? Isn't he sort of meek and mild? That's what we, what we see, isn't it? From Sunday school on, we see a, a well-groomed, gentle, meek Savior and, and a tidy man wearing a, a shiny white robe, don't we? Gazing into the eyes of a little lamb nestled in his arms. The paintings we see of him knocking on the door, lightly knocking on the door, playing with children, all of those are good descriptions of who Jesus is, but it's not a, a full description of who Jesus is. And so this morning we're going to, and over the next several weeks as we begin a new series, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the names that the prophet Isaiah used to describe Jesus, maybe to better describe the coming Messiah as he was, as he was describing to the people there. So if you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to... We're going to be looking in there today. I want to say thank you for, to uh, Jason last week uh, for filling in for me. We had a great time away, a great time in the mountains, our yearly trek up there to get our tree. We had a good time and appreciate uh, his willingness to come and, and share a great message with you. I said Wednesday, said Wednesday night, uh, he kind of took Christmas and looked back to Thanksgiving after I had taken Thanksgiving and looked forward to Christmas. So that was a, a neat little twist on things, but... Anyway, we're, we're glad to be back, and it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? In, in Isaiah chapter 9, or, or leading up to that, in the first several chapters of, of Isaiah, the prophet is, war, is warning the people, is warning Israel that, that there's a time of darkness coming. There's a time of, of immense trials coming their way. Um, it, it was a time when the people had, had wandered from God, uh, and and, and I, they had fallen away from God, and Isaiah tells them, he pleads with them to, to return to God, return to the first love. And he would say that to us today, return to God. Return to the one who, who loved you first. Because he tells us that, 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 that the nation was wandering from, from God, much like it is today, that they had fallen away from God. And Isaiah pleads with him to to return, go back to God, seek Him out again. Because if not, he says, God would turn them over to their enemies and they would, they would live under oppressed rules. But God gives them a promise too that the darkness would end. And he goes on to say that a great light is coming. Now in the Old Testament, the, 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 the people awaited Christ's return. The first coming of Christ the people today in the New Testament, they await Christ's second return. And oh, He's coming. He's coming soon. He's got to be. He's got to be. Looking at the way things lining, are lining up in our world today, it's got to be soon. Looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. We turn over to Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and 12. And it says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. He's telling us again in the New Testament. Paul is writing here and he's telling us, Wake up! The time is near. He says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. When we believe yesterday, today's closer to the day that He's coming. If you believe 60 years ago, today's a day closer than, he's, than it was. And so are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we living our life expecting Christ's return? Are we living our life looking forward? Are we excited about His return? And if we are, are we telling, are we bringing people with us along the way? He says in verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. In other words, the time of walking in darkness, the time of living in this life, it's almost over. For the day is almost here. And so let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put off the ways of the world and put on the ways of Christ as we move forward into the future looking forward to, to Christ's return. That day that Paul is talking about there in verse 12 is the day of Christ's return. Folks, our present troubles, this time of darkness that we're living in, will pale in comparison to the glory that it's going to be living in the presence of God for all eternity. Amen? And what a glorious day that's going to be. And in and, and, and Isaiah, the great light that Isaiah is referring to was Jesus' birth. He prophesies about the, the coming Messiah, the Christ child. And remember this, he does this 700 years before Christ is born. When people say, oh, the Bible can't be true, the Bible can't be real, you can't believe the Bible. Well, go back and look when he wrote this. It was 700 years before Christ arrived. And he tells of what's taken place and that Christ came. He prophesies that his name will be, and that's what the title of our message is, our title of our series. We're going to be looking at what the names of Jesus will be called in Isaiah and every week we're going to look at a different name or a different phrase that Isaiah uses. And today it's going to be the wonderful counselor. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have, en you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing their plunder. <clears throat> For as in the day of Midian's Defeat, you will, you will have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders and the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot 
used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning with fuel for the fire. And listen to this. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Praise God. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Throughout Scripture, God, God attempts to let us see who He is. He attempts to let us see who Jesus is and in turn see who God is. And, and we think about how Isaiah uses these four different names or phrases to describe Jesus. In biblical times, people's names were important. They meant something. Unlike today, people just pick something out of the air, you know, or, or just throw something together and, and come up with a name. And, and, and I, I look at some students' names sometimes, and it's like, wow. But in biblical days, when, they, when you were given a name, it was often a, a, a way to determine who they were or who they would become. For example, Adam means from the, from the dust. Abraham means father of generations. Isaac means laughter. David means beloved. Peter means rock. John is God is gracious. The name Isaiah means God is salvation. But what does Isaiah do? Well, he tells people of the Messiah, of the coming Messiah, who brings salvation. And so Isaiah's name means God is salvation. He says Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so we're going to break these, these four names down and, and, and look into them a little bit uh, deeper in the coming weeks. But today I want to focus on the phrase he uses, He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now some translations, depending on the translation you have, uh, some say Wonderful Counselor, and some say Wonderful, comma, Counselor. But either way, Isaiah is trying to convey the, the character of Christ. He's trying to get us to understand who this Christ child is, who He's going to be. And so, Look at all the words that, that Isaiah uses to describe Jesus here. The very first word that he uses to describe Jesus is what? Wonderful. Wonderful. That is Jesus. Wonderful. That word wonderful comes from the Greek word Pele. And it's used dozens of times in, in the Old Testament. And in each case that it's used, it means to be a cut above or better than anyone else could expect to do. That's Jesus. 
It means too wonderful for words. That's Jesus. It means beyond anything we've ever seen. That's what Jesus does. It means to make great and to set apart. That's who Jesus is. It means extraordinary and so vast we can't comprehend. That's who Jesus is. It was usually used to describe something so great, something so big, so wonderful, that only God could do it. Pele. Wonderful. That's Jesus. Greater than anything we can understand, anything we can comprehend, greater than anything we can understand. In Psalm 86, verse 10, David writes, <clears throat> Psalm 86, verse 10, David writes, he said, You are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. You are great and do marvelous deeds. That word marvelous there is Pele. In Job, in Job chapter 9, verse 10, it says, God performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He is wonderful and full of wonders. Jesus is beyond our, our understanding or, or explanation. We can try and try, but we can't convey the true meaning of who Jesus is. And even though He was human, He went beyond human limitations. At His word, uh, mute tongues spoke, bones were, were straightened, winds were calm, clouds were moved, demons fled. He walked on water and turned the water into wine. Eyes were opened and life was restored, all at the name of Jesus, the word of Jesus. He is far more than what we can understand. Far more than what we can comprehend. In the New Testament, story after story, we read, and people are amazed. They're, they're astounded. They're, they're full of wonder at the works of Jesus, at what He does, and how he, the, the miracles that He performs, the teachings that He, that he says. It blows people's minds. They can't understand it. They can't fathom what's going on, what's coming out of this man's mouth, what, what is the miracles that he's performing through, through him. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, it says, The crowds were amazed at his teachings. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 27, it says, The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey Him. This is Jesus. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, it says, Coming to His hometown, He began teaching the people in their synagogues, and they were amazed. They were amazed at the, at the wisdom and authority with which He spoke. He said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? This is Jesus. In Matthew 15, 31, it says, The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind see, and they praised the God of Israel. This is Jesus. 
the wonderful Jesus. In Matthew 21, verse 20, it says, When the disciples saw this, they were amazed at how the fig tree withered so quickly. This is Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 27, it says, The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He even give order, gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey Him. <laughs> this is Jesus. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is the Jesus that we serve. Amen. This is Almighty God right here. In Mark chapter 2, verse 12, it says, He got up, took His mat, and walked out in full view of them all. <coughs> this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. This is the wonderful Jesus. Mark 6, 51. Then He climbed in the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. This is the wonderful Jesus. You see, there's just no way to explain everything about Jesus. We don't have the vocabulary in our humanity to describe the all in, to, to, to encompass everything that Jesus is and who He is and what He is and what He's done, what He's going to do. We try, but even, even in our best attempts, we only scratch the surface of who Jesus is. Is. That's who we celebrate in the Christmas season. His name is, is power to believers and it's a threat to the governments. It's a, his name is, is the guarantee of prayer and it's the answer to prayer. His name is a menace to Satan and his kingdom and at his Name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. In His name, salvation is found. His name, His name is wonderful. Wonderful. <coughs> wonderful counselor. We live in a world filled with counselors, don't we? Everybody and their brother wants to give us advice, don't they? But we also seek advice, don't we? We have attorneys and advocates and psychologists and coaches and mentors and advisors, of course, family and friends. But we seek them out because we want to understand something at a deeper level, something that they have more knowledge about. Maybe they've gone through what we're, what we're facing. But we seek them out. And in other times, they seek us out. Namely, our family and friends. They want to tell us what to do, right? Or we're doing something wrong. Or we need to do something different. Think about this. It was by a counselor that this world was ruined. You see, it was Satan that, was the, that disguised himself as a serpent. And in his craftiness, counseled Eve to, to eat the fruit. But what was set in motion by that evil counselor, Isaiah said, 
would be corrected in Christ Jesus. So who we choose to listen to, the voices we choose to listen to and follow are important. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace, what's it say, to help us, to help us. So where do we go? We go to God's throne of grace with confidence for help. For help to help us in our time of need. Folks, in Jesus we find the perfect counselor. In Jesus we find the one who will give us perfect advice. He understands every problem. He understands every trial and every difficulty we've ever encountered, that we've ever gone through or that we'll ever go through. He's been here. He's done this. And He knows what it's like. And He will only give us perfect advice. And more than that, He loves us more than anybody else. And He wants only good for us. And so certainly, He's going to give us advice that is good for us. In Him, we have someone who cares. He tells us to cast all our cares upon Him. He is our counselor. We need His counsel. When at every turn in the dark world, the, 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 the spirits of the dark world are trying to convince us to, to go the way of the world, not the way of the Lord. We need to seek and continue seeking the ways of God. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Folks, there are people out there that are going to give us bad advice. Sometimes purposely bad advice. To draw us away from where we are, from what we're doing, and the goodness of God to, to, to try to lead us into the way of the world. But Psalm 119 says, verse 24 says, Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselor." God's Word is my counselor, he says. And Psalm 73 says, You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. You guide me with your counsel. You see, when we're faithful in His counsel, living out His ways, it said He will take us to glory. Amen. Psalm verse 1, uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. Folks, God's counsel is perfect. And God's counsel doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are we... Are we really trying to discern God's counsel? Are we trying to seek God's counsel in our life? Listen to Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1. It says, Lord, you are my God. 
I will exalt you and praise your name. Listen to this. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things. In perfect faithfulness. God has been perfectly faithful in giving us wise counsel who have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. Folks, that's another way of saying God has a plan. God has a purpose for you. He's, he, he, he's got wonderful, he's doing wonderful things in your life, leading us in the way, if we'll follow him, that he wants us to go. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. Folks, Jesus is going to guide us. He's going to counsel us in fulfilling His purpose and our purpose in this life. The wonderful things that He planned for us to do long ago. When He created you in, inside your mother's womb, He had a plan for you. He had a purpose for you. Are we seeking that out? Are we living that out in our life? You know, there's a lot of voices. A lot of voices in this world. We only have two little ears. But man, there are voices coming from everywhere, every different direction. And they're trying to get into that ear more than God is. And so it's important that we listen to the voice of truth. That we listen to God's Word. That we listen in times of prayer and devotion for the voice of truth. Seeking out the wise counsel of Christ. He advises us to come and, and to be saved. <laughs> That's good advice. That's perfect advice right there. Perfect advice from the perfect counselor. The perfect, wonderful counselor. Because you see, he knows that if you choose him, that if you love, he loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die for you. And that if you would choose him, that you would spend eternity forever and ever in the glories of heaven with God Almighty. That's why he, that's his advice to us, to come to him, to choose him and to live according to his ways. If you've never done that today, I want to invite you to do that. To put your faith in the perfect child who lived the perfect life, who died the perfect death, who was perfectly resurrected and perfectly ascended because he was a perfect Savior. Maybe you've already given your life to Christ. The challenge to you today is to seek Him out every day. Ask Him to, to see things from His perspective. To give us the eyes of His eyes so that we can see the world through His lens. And we seek after Him every day. Yes, He is wonderful. He is a merciful Savior. He is our Savior. If He's not your Savior today, I, I beg you to choose Him over the things of the world.
For he is wonderful counselor. Almighty God, your perfect counsel to us is to accept you as Lord and Savior. To accept your Son as the Savior of the world to be our Savior. The wonderful Counselor encourages us to to seek Him every day. To seek His wise and perfect counsel in every situation, in every circumstance in life. For you are the name above all names. You are our wonderful, merciful Savior. God, we worship you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I stand and sing. Wonderful.